Visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 at the next Utah Jazz home game. There are free Papa Shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city and mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. Time to talk basketball now with Steve Cleveland. He joins us every week. He's on the Sprint Special Guest Line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or a Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest to you. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. I'm curious, not about basketball, but about when you were coaching and you were trying to deal with guys' mentality, how they're thinking, especially about themselves and their confidence level, because it seems like the five-game losing streak, people were so frustrated, and you can't blame them because the Jazz looked like they'd never closed out a close game before. They made so many mistakes at the end of so many winnable games, and then suddenly against Houston, they're just rock solid, making one big play after another. And when something did go against them and Houston hit a big shot, they just answer with a big shot. How does a team turn around on a dime like that? <laughs> That's what drives us all crazy as coaches. Uh, you know what? I mean, sometimes it's matchups, but when you do get kind of in a funk and you're, you're not playing well, uh, a lot of time goes in behind the scenes. And, uh, the, the, you know, the one thing that, Sometimes I think looking at the NBA especially, we don't realize how many really, really good players every team has. And, uh, and, and so the expectation level is that they can always do this night in and night out. And Depending on whether you're, who, who you're playing or whether you're on the road or injuries, whatever, a lot of, a lot of different circumstances impact uh, winning streaks and losing streaks. But if anything about the Jazz is that there is a maturity here. This is a group that certainly is capable of not playing well and oftentimes you've got to give the opponent sometimes we don't give the opponent enough credit and uh but the jazz did kind of uh stumble a little bit there and uh and last night just on that ball game where in fact it's the last couple of games they've been able to kind of turn this thing around but uh, it was a pretty special play last night with Bogdanovich. uh you know a really well run uh out-of-bounds play with 1.6 seconds. I think it was interesting he's sitting on a bench with 1.6 seconds, and he comes into the game not having a very good shooting night, and they set a little down screen, and the first, I think Mitchell curls off it, and then he comes off. It's well-guarded, and he just knocks the shot down. But uh, it, it's the little things. It's the little things that over the course of 82 games or how many games you end up playing, you're going to have those moments where things aren't going right. But for the Jazz, uh, you're right. Every button they pushed last couple of games has has been perfect, and guys have stepped up and made plays. And good coaching, good players, and playing at home all contribute to making kind of uh, winning, winning ball games like that. So the thing that I thought was interesting is you already mentioned it. Bogdanovich is not having a good game, and and afterward they do the on court interview, and one of the things he says is coach having confidence in me. And obviously you coach at a high level for many, many years. And that idea of a player deriving confidence from the coach just by having him out there, from the coach's perspective, that seems to be such a delicate thing. And players look at signs and they pick up on vibes and such. And how much does he believe in me? And then therefore that's going to pump me up. How did you manage that situation in making sure the players are held accountable, but at the same time, you've got to give them confidence, and they're looking for you to give them confidence. It seems like it can get really tricky. Well, 
I think one of the things I know that my experience was from the very beginning of the year, and, and roles change in teams. You know, I mean, certainly for the NBA, they picked up new players. But in college, there, there were guys that went through different slumps and things. But I always tried to talk about what the roles of people were, never limiting them. You know, I mean, everybody kind of wants to be a difference maker. But sometimes, initially, as the season goes on, certain guys have certain roles. But I'm always talking about who I want, like who takes transition threes. And, and you kind of earn that right in practice and games. And, and uh, you know, you're very honest with them and you're very transparent about it. You say, listen, here's the people that I want, you know, taking those threes. I want Bogdanovich. I, you know, I want Donovan Mitchell in transition to shoot threes. You know, I, really, I don't really want, you know, whoever it might be, uh, you know, whether it's Conley or, or Ingles or Clarkson, but you define roles. And you let them know what you are confident, and you're constantly reinforcing that in practices. So it's not a surprise. I mean, I I gotta believe that when in practice, talking you know, as a team, they're talking about Bogdanovich and where we want to get him the ball, and where we want to get Ingles the ball, where we want to get Donovan Mitchell the ball. This is where they're best shooting from. These are the spots they're best. So you're constantly reinforcing that. That doesn't just happen in the last 1.6 seconds. And Bogdanovich knew. I mean, he was having an off night. But he, you know, again, he's six seven or so. He can get, he can shoot over the top. Houston's small, playing small, and it's harder to contest a shot of guys six seven or six eight. Whatever the circumstances were, though, that that's a process, and it's something that you're always talking about. And when guys are struggling, that's especially when you bring them in. Maybe you, you bring them in one on one and watch film and tell them, hey, listen, you, you're you're doing this technically, and just tweak this or Keep taking that shot. That's a good shot. Or maybe they're shooting too many contested shots, maybe early in the shot clock, whatever the circumstances are. But, you are, I mean, you, you have to be a therapist as a coach. I mean, you're constantly talking to these guys. And I don't, I don't care what level it is, high school, junior college, college, the pros, because they are human beings. And, they, you know, we, we talk a lot about culture these days and, and the business, but having that trust, in your players, and them knowing that gives them more confidence. They're not second-guessing. I mean, was there any question Boganovich was going to take that shot? No, he knew from the very moment he got it, he was shooting it. If he gets blocked, he gets blocked. If he misses, he misses. But in, in his mindset was, I'm, I'm taking this thing and I'm making it. He knew that he got his call. And that is established before that game started. I mean, that's established in practice. That's established in film sessions. Uh, that's what good coaches do is they identify and make sure guys understand their role and understand that that role can grow uh, as seasons go along and where maybe a guy wasn't given the green light on certain situations, he now is. But Bogdanovich has the green light, whether he's shooting well or not. So I'm curious now, because so much has been made of the Rockets, they play different defensively. They switch everything, and it's wrecked the Jazz pick and roll, and they've run them out of the playoffs two years in a row. Does Clarkson give them the weapon to kind of shatter that? Does Houston have an answer for him, or was that just one big game and we shouldn't read into it? Tell you what, Clarkson is that was that was just a great pickup for the Jazz. I mean, you start looking at him, and he's averaging 17, 18 points a game the last four or five games. He, you know, had a big night, had 31 night, and, and uh, yeah, he does. I mean, a guy like that, he's kind of like Lou Williams, you know, for for the Clippers. You you got a guy. That, I mean, Jordan Clarkson could start on a lot of teams in the NBA. Him coming off the bench and having that kind of confidence makes everybody around him better. And uh, you, you really look at 
the Jazz and what their potential is. Getting Clarkson puts them in a position where they're they're better. They're a better team with him on the floor, and especially with that second group. And you know, and you, you take a look. I was just thinking uh, this morning a little bit before we got on. I was just thinking about the last few games with the Jazz, and, and you look at Angles. He's taken, you know, really averaging about four shots a game and averaging five points a game. But he, you, you've mentioned both of you have mentioned this. His the chemistry of that starting group is so much better with Joe on there, and Conley's now shooting the ball better. Uh, even though you know, you, you say, well, why isn't Clarkson starting? You know, sometimes people watch games don't understand. But Ingles is a glue guy, that, man, and he's capable of going on for 20, 15 or twenty. And occasionally, you know, he does. He's usually averaging 10, 11, 12 points a game. But even when he doesn't play well, he he, he just he's a glue guy in that team, and, and the chemistry is so much better with him there in that starting lineup. And, uh, and, and certainly Clarkson is a difference maker on this team and, and really is the guy they needed. If, if they have aspirations of winning a, a round or two in the playoffs, Clarkson's the answer. I mean, he, he's going to be able if – he, if he can score 18 to 20 points a night coming off the bench, uh, it just makes the Jazz that deeper and, and much, that much better. So when you were coaching then with the Clarkson situation – how do you handle the closing game if it's close? Because you got your group, but you got somebody over here who's playing really well and has earned minutes, but do you disrupt what you normally do in the last four or five minutes of a close game? You go with this set of guys. Do you change it up? Is it situational? How do you handle it? I think it is situational, though I, I got to believe. I mean, every, every day in practice, you're spending 10 to 15 minutes on late game situations, sideline out of bounds baseline out of bounds, full court, time and score, uh, whatever the circumstances are. And so this isn't something – I mean, they didn't run that play for the first time. And, and, and they, the guys on that team know who they're going to have certain things run for them. And, it, you know, and I, I think actually, you know, for, for a guy that's not shooting the ball well, I'm not sure I would have made that call. I, I might have gone another direction. But I do believe that, that the size advantage that Bogdanovich had – I mean, he's taller than any player that's on the team on the Houston team, probably. And uh, he had the ability, he had the ability, our coaching staff had great confidence in him, but he could shoot over it. You know, and they didn't need a three. Uh, in, in fact, on, on the down screen, that, on the down screen the, I can't remember who curled off of it, but what happens on that, that curls and that takes the switch away. And then all of a sudden, here comes Bogdanovich on the, on the screen, the continued screen, and there's a little separation. And, and there's two guys throwing arms up at him, but... He, he's right in the middle. You know, there, one guy's on the ball side, one guy's on the weak side. You know, he's kind of chasing and following numbers there. And so he has a wide open shot. I mean, it looks like they're both contested, but they're both on the sides of him. And uh, so, yeah, it, it, was a t- it was a gutsy call, to be honest with you, because I, I'm not sure that I would have gone with him when he would, had been so quiet all night. But they know their players, they know their guys, and, and they executed that play perfectly. And... Uh, it, it's easier to shoot the ball when you know I'm shooting this. You know, it, it's another thing sometimes whether I should take it during the course of the game. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking a little bit about whether I should shoot or not. There was no question that Bogdanovich was going to shoot the ball. And that increases his opportunities to score. I mean, that increases the, the likelihood of him making a basket, knowing that thing, as soon as I catch it, I'm turning and I'm going. So, but it is a, it, it, it's, it's a gutsy thing, a gutsy coaching call to, to do that, but it's, it, turned into magic for him. 
So as you try to figure out stuff and adjust on the fly, and it's a little different in college than the pros, obviously. Steve Cleveland joined us, former BYU coach. So Juwan Morgan comes in in the middle of the year, and you know in the first half when Rudy sits down, uh, that was just like a free pass for Westbrook to get you know four straight layups and score eight points in the blink of an eye. So they put him in in the second half. Can you put yourself in the shoes of you know getting a your coach and you get a brand new player and I guess out of desperation maybe that makes it easier to do, and it worked. But it's, <laughs> it's a little nervy though. It, it is. I mean, I, I think that uh, it, it's a long year, and I think that having people to pick from and to, to, to now have a big that can come in there and play. Uh, I think sometimes we do do things out of desperation. Listen, we've tried everything. Let's let's go this direction, and uh, and then it works. And and you know, guess what? That gives that player that much more confidence that he called his number, and the guys are trusting in him. And I you know the one thing about really good teams is I, I will I, I when I watch these games, the NBA games especially, uh, when guys make mistakes, when things aren't going well, or and especially with younger players and guys that are role players, you know what? That's a responsibility of, of the difference makers on every team is to make sure that that guy that goes in the game, that they know he, he knows that they believe in him. And if he goes in initially and makes a mistake and this is a layup or a free throw or make, you know, there's an execution error that takes place that the guys are right there. And I think that we don't give the players a, a great deal of credit, a great deal of credit that, that, the, the experienced guys, the guys that get the ball and get the opportunities, they're so good with guys that come off the bench because they know how important they are in terms of that, the whole the season. I mean, the bench guys that have to come in, and so they come in with more confidence than when we think. But that was kind of a desperation, gutsy deal, and it turned out well. And uh, you've got to be able to go to your bench in an 82-game season. I mean, you've got, they have got to play, and they've got to step up. And so it's not just the coaching staff that instills confidence, but it's, the, it's their teammates that are also there that uh, I very seldom see in, in the NBA where guys make mistakes when guys just come, immediately come over, hey, you're okay, you're okay, stay with it, real positive energy. And that helps too when you haven't been playing a lot of minutes or you're on a new team. So I want to give you some thoughts on uh, BYU basketball, get some thoughts on that. I'm starting to get excited, Steve, and I don't know if I'm getting ahead of myself, but as I look at the last 25 years, you know, you had the Jimmer thing, and that obviously was great. And I think you had yours with Travis Hansen and those guys. You know, you had yeah. a tournament team that was capable of winning. They underseeded you, I think, a couple years in a row because they didn't have any pedigree, and so you ran up against teams that you, you got crappy seeds. You should have been able to get a better seed and win. Nevertheless, it was what it was. But I look at this team, and I'm thinking this team compares to those two eras that I think were the best in the last 25 years. Am I getting my head of myself, or what's your level of excitement? I, I agree. I, I, I'm telling you what, there is a, there's a confidence level with this group, and there's a toughness level with this group that uh, they they do they believe they can win every game. I mean, and and I think that you know obviously the the players Yoli uh, and 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 TJ you know have been there and done that, and they're playing with far more confidence. I mean, I, you just listen to Yoli and some of his post game or pre game talks and some of the things he. He's a different young man, and he's got a different perspective. And, you know, I think with TJ, 
uh, is playing with so much confidence. And I, and I give, I mean, I, I give, I, Jake Toulson is, is a really, really special player on that team. And not just because he has the ability to have big nights scoring, but he is one of the, you know, he, he reminds me of Travis. I, I can't go back into other teams, but Travis was a great leader. And, and, and Jake Toulson is a great leader. And, and I can just tell he, he just rubs off on guys, and he's so confident, and he's, he's so intense. And, and it's rubbed off on his team. And, and so the Dalton Nixons and the Zach Selyuses and Connor Harding, who may be the most underrated player on that team, we may not talk about him today that much, but I look at this team and they're just playing with so much confidence. And I honestly, I do believe that they can beat Gonzaga at home. I, I, I know it'll take a very special game, but I don't know that I've, you know, Dave did some amazing, crazy things on the road against these teams. But at, at the end of the day at home, they've never really had the ability to do that. And I think that now they're in a situation where they're confident, there's a toughness there, everybody knows their roles, and it's, they're playing a seven, eight-man, you know, playing seven, eight, getting back to back, we'll see what happens there. But I have the same feelings you do, Pat. I mean, I, 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 I really like this team at all levels. And even when they're not playing well, they, they get back into games, and even when they're playing well, they'll have some slippage, and uh, boom. And, and Mark's done a nice job. They, they, he's really connected, and not just Mark, but his staff. You know, and he's got a really good staff that connects well with guys, and you can, you can tell there's just great chemistry, besides being some, some significant talent on this team in terms of being able to shoot the three, especially. Steve, as always, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again next week. See you guys. Steve Cleveland, former BYU basketball coach, joining us every week here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. Good morning, DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280, The Zone. Jazz fans, did you even sleep last night? (laughs) That five-game losing streak. The what? The huh? I know not of what you speak. <laughs> wow, they what crazy two games. They went to Houston and punked the Rockets. Yeah, I don't know about punking them, but. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? They totally beat them at the buzzer. <laughs> so, last night, that thing goes in, right? Yep. I put on Facebook, how about that jazz game, within 10 minutes, over 30 comments. <laughs> <laughs> that social media is the best. Yeah. We could go through a litany uh, of what's wrong with social media. Tracking your data, whatever's going on with the big government and big corporations spying on you, and blah, 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 blah. But this is its best. Yeah. You don't have to run Immediate out. response. You don't have to run out into the neighborhood to talk to people or down to the bar to talk to people <laughs> or down to the gym to find your buddies. You just hit Twitter. You hit Facebook. Yeah. And people are going nuts. Yeah. You know, it's funny because we, I can put that up there. 
literally within 30 seconds of the game, which is what right. I did, yeah. right? And you get immediate response. And I take us back to 18 years ago when we first started. It's like we were doing typewriters. <laughs> <laughs> and the AP teletypes <laughs> in the background. I mean, we saw the advent of communications, particularly with newspapers and so forth, and how it went and how it got so far advanced and the way you used to have to do your stories when you're on the road and now how easy it is and just us doing it back then you couldn't get that immediate no. response you know no, that's just 18 years ago i know and you can put it on there and you can get dozens and hundreds of responses within two seconds it's just so fun and that was an incredible shot is an incredible game i love the fact that they have to grind it out and not just grind it out in terms of uh, you know, 87 to 85. Right. But there, there was some flow to the game. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and so they had to play defense at certain times, and the Rockets make it so difficult to play defense because Westbrook, man, it's like he shot out of a cannon half the time. And how do you stop him? Harden is the craftiest, craziest, most just drive-you-crazy type player there ever was. And they still had to come back from that on the road, all sorts of big plays. It was just a lot of fun to watch. And then it ends with Bogdanovich, who's having a lousy game, making that shot. was just so incredible. So uh, we, we both probably think about 25 million things about that end of that game. But I want to go back before the end of the game. Because obviously, when you look at the standings, there's a chance the Jazz and Rockets are going to meet in the playoffs. But watching as that game was going along and trying not to, you know, we often second guess and John Madden had a great expression. He said, you know, as a, as a commentator, I know what the coaches are going through and they're my friends, but I can't say nothing because that's not my job now. Right. But I don't want to second guess them. And he said, what he settled on really quickly is first guessing. So if a team's going to go for a two point conversion in the game, he says, I don't want to say that was a good or bad decision after the play when I know how it turned out. I have to make sure I get my opinion out there Immediately, if they're breaking the huddle, this is a good or bad decision. Now the play goes however it goes, but I want to get that out there first. And I think with that in mind, as we watch the Jazz, I was trying to put some things on Twitter about what was happening. And the one thing I definitely thought, you know, what Westbrook was going off, right, in the first half, he had like 21 points. 21, he did have 21, yeah. And, you know, so is it the right idea to have uh, Gobert matched up with him? The thinking being, hey, Gobert has to cover less ground because Westbrook can't shoot the three. So I get why that was the Jazz coach's first I was, I was okay with that. Okay, but he's got 21 points at halftime. Do you want to try something else? Because I thought the, the positive— I'm still okay with it. Well, he, and he also had eight of those 21 while Rudy was out Which at the end of the, the first quarter. Which is the reason why I was okay with it. Yeah. And so do they want to try down the line when they play him again, if they play him in the playoffs, do they want to try him on someone else? Or Westbrook wasn't really passing and moving the ball. You know, well, a lot he's of the, Russell Westbrook. <laughs> well, he does average triple doubles, right? So he does get assists. Yeah, but that was back when he was the he had the ball ninety eight percent of the time. Excellent point. <laughs> to, excellent point. And so I just thought as I was going along, I think you can see it if you go back, you know, and go through the Twitter timeline there. The one thing I, I thought maybe they'd try something else. You know, maybe they'd make I don't know Covington pick a guy because if they're going to go at Rudy no matter what, you could really make Westbrook and Harden watch the game. Well, the game is Covington versus Gobert. Mm, They're going to yeah, attack him all nah, the time. I don't think that would have happened. It, and it might not have. But I think the point ultimately that I came to is there's going to be a lot of trial and error, both in how opposing teams try to handle Houston and, and how Houston adjusts to handle the stuff they get thrown at them. So whatever we saw tonight, it, maybe this will be what the playoffs look like last if night, these two teams yeah. match. Yeah, last night. Um, I'm the one who didn't sleep all night. Um, Maybe this is what 
it would be if they match up in the, you know, in the postseason. But maybe there'll be a lot of trial and error stuff, and it'll look different on, on either side. It'll be interesting to see how this shakes out. Because what Houston is committed to here with the small ball, holy cow, it's different. I mean, it is just it's different way in today's different. game, and you know, probably largely throughout history. Yeah, and obviously, the center has less of an impact. The big men have a less of an impact than they used to do, at least in terms of the traditional impact of on sure. the low block and all that stuff. Now you got a lot of fellows who can step out and shoot threes, so they can still have their impact, even though they're they're tall. Uh, to me. I, I had no problem with the Jazz doing what they were doing defensively. Uh, you had to do something, and, and Westbrook was not shooting the ball well on his mid-range. No. Him taking it to the bucket. And you're, you're fortunate enough that Harden then um, was off on his three. He was, he was pathetic yeah. shooting the three. But the thing that I like is put something different into their minds because by the time we get to the playoffs, they're probably going to see – just about every defense that they need to see in terms of being exposed to it. So what they're going to see is something that they're used to, right? So here, they weren't used to having a defensive player of the year who's that big guarding Westbrook, right? So that was new. So that throws them off a little bit. And so maybe it threw them off to the point of that Harden then was off his game a little bit because he was two of 13 on threes. Yeah. He's not the best three-point shooter anyway, but give him something different. And then Westbrook only is taking two threes. Now, he's he doesn't take a lot of threes relative to everybody he else. Doesn't shoot, he doesn't but, shoot him well and he knows it. R- but right. throw something different to make those guys have to adjust rather than you constantly doing the adjusting. And I'm curious what that will be by the time we get to the playoffs. Will they see so much of one thing that they will have adjusted to? But I just thought it was fascinating, and I got to imagine that the coaches are just going to pour over this. Uh, not right now, because they're going back to back. No, uh, when but, the time comes, but whoever, maybe a little bit over the All Star break. Well, yeah, and then you know when they who's and, playing whom when they get to the postseason. sure, and, and the Jazz and Rockets may not. And, match and up. so I think too by having that being what it was, the 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 thing that I thought that was excellent about it is then Westbrook's thinking, okay, every time you have a taller man, and in this case, the tallest guy, you're supposed to isolate him, Mm -hmm. take him off the dribble, blah, 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 and beat him to the hoop. Well, so that takes the ball out of Harden's hands. Harden now is not shooting the three very well. And also, he's not as particularly uh, himself and also the team. They're not going to the free throw line. You can usually count on Harden getting 10 to 12 attempts at the line. Well, he's taken out of his rhythm a little bit. And as I look at the box score, you Houston only goes to the line 14 times. The Jazz go to the line 18 times. So I think that having Gobert start off on Westbrook takes the Rockets, who really don't have a big-time rhythm in this lineup as it is. They played a bunch of games without Capella, but now Covington's in, he's starting, and this is only, what, his second or third game? Yeah. And I think it's only his second game starting. So now everything is brand new, so they've got to adjust. So that's why I thought it was good. The frustrating thing to me, on the other end, I didn't think the Jazz were driving the ball to the bucket enough. It was especially early. It was like, let's try to find Gobert on lobs. Mm -hmm. Well, 
every time the emphasis in D'Antoni in his pregame was saying, we've got to rebound. We're shorter. So now the emphasis is on rebounding, right? So they're sending, it seemed like, 10 guys to the rim when the ball's in the air. So it was getting very difficult to get Gobert open because they got all sorts of arms and legs all over the place. And I thought the Jazz needed to take better advantage of the small isn't just necessarily lobbing it to Gobert, getting inside. No, putting the ball on the floor, finding your way to the bucket. And it seemed like they were doing that with Car- as the game wore on, Conley and Clarkson. I like the way that they were taking the ball to the basket a little bit better rather than uh, just relying on your traditional offense. Because your traditional offense... You haven't been exposed to this. What was this? Their fifty-first game. Yeah. yeah, they haven't. They've been. They haven't 52, been exposed maybe. to the. They haven't yeah. been exposed to this at all. Basically, the other night when they played them, well, that was a little bit of an aberration because they didn't have their guys. Right. I mean, I, I realize Eric Gordon didn't play, and that's not to take anything away because he scored fifty, and he probably could have helped. Although I don't know how much he's going to do when Westbrook and Harden are there. Right. So there was a lot of stuff that, for me, made this game on a Sunday night highly entertaining. I wonder if Jazz fans want to see the Rockets in the playoffs now that they've seen this, or they still want no part of them. They're burned by the last two well, years. Well, I want I mean, the, the Suns or, <laughs> yeah. or the Kings. That a kid. Now you're talking. <laughs> Now you're thinking. But since they aren't going to be available, and since the Jazz apparently aren't getting to the one seed and they aren't going to get Memphis or San Antonio or Minnesota. I don't think those teams are walks in the park either. So realistically. Because they made a big trade. But realistically, it's going to be Houston or it's going to be Oklahoma Oklahoma City City or maybe Denver or Dallas. No. I think it's either going to be Oklahoma City. City or Houston. I'm hoping Oklahoma City so we can get our guy Trammell from Oklahoma to come out. <laughs> I like He's it. He's a great interview. He is. Yeah. He's awesome. And get him in studio because he'll talk and he'll say stuff. He's not afraid of whatever. He'll say whatever is on his mind, which is why he had that long-running feud with Westbrook. So, yeah. yeah. So, I, I, I think it's either going to be those two teams. Unless they go on some incredible hot streak and they move up. But I don't think they're going to move up to one. And I don't think they're going to fall. I'd, at this point, I'd be stunned if they fell to six or seven. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's either going to be one of those two teams. Because if they get to three, mm-hmm. one of those two teams will be in six. Yeah, right. You don't think Dallas can get out of seven and back to six? I suppose they could. So I yeah. would put Dallas in yeah. there. Yeah. You know, they've, they've really been hammered with the injuries. Um, well, and, and I'm still waiting for it with, you know, 30-ish games to go for everybody. I still figure like it's 50-50 that some team in the West has an injury and it changes everything. And, you know, there's – I'm not well, depending really, on how long. I'm not really Severity worried or thinking injury. about who's an eight, but I'm talking to the top seven. Yeah, I, I, you know, it depends uh, who it is for the Lakers. If it's LeBron, they're screwed. Yeah, <laughs> you're right about that. I mean, they can, yeah. over, they can actually even overcome Anthony Davis because LeBron is LeBron. Yeah. And so, on the Clippers, they know how to play, although the Clippers – uh, and as we said earlier this morning, it, it shocked me that they got uh, hammered because when I first saw that on Saturday night, I thought, oh, George and Leonard didn't play. But I know, right? That's exactly they, what I thought. Yeah. I was watching it while it was in progress. I was watching the score while it was in yeah. progress. Yeah. And they got down like 10 early. I'm like, yeah. I'm not getting hooked on this. It's 10 points in the first quarter. So what? But when it got to 15 in the second, I clicked on the box to see, okay, yeah. are those two guys playing? And they both oh, were. You, you even brought it up Saturday night. You, you pointed out that both of them were playing, which is exactly what yeah. – I mean, I had known it at that point. Right. But for those who didn't – Yeah. It, it, I brought that up. Yeah. And then also that they just – that was ridiculous three-point shooting. 
I mean, who shoots 59% from three? Nobody. Well, Minnesota. That yeah, night. One night. One night. Yeah. It, it, it happens. It, it, yeah. Does, it does. It happens. Not very often, but it does happen. No, no. And if it, if it happens, you're probably going to lose. Right. So, uh, multiple things to take away from the Jazz win over the Rockets. Uh, you know, you're only as good as your best player. And obviously, the last shot, I mean, it's got people screaming and hopping all over the place. But Donovan Mitchell's got to be big time at the end of big games if the Jazz are going to do much in the playoffs. He has to be. I thought those two free throws he hit with 15 seconds left were enormous. As soon as I knew he was going to the line, it was like, look at the time, look at the score, and think, oh, boy, what's he going to do? On the road, down one. Well, Mitchell, to me, he has it. We talk about the quarterbacks having mm-hmm. it. Mitchell has it. As a basketball player, he has it. Now, you have to put that in contest. He's still 6'1". If he's six five, six six, well, at the end of his career – by saying he has it, I would say he has them, meaning rings. Because if he's six 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 seven, look a, out, a la Jordan and <laughs> yeah. Kobe. Well, he's probably winning titles, and maybe he does get titles at six one, because it has happened. Not often, but it has happened. But as a ball player, I've got the ball in his hands, and he wants to do what he does, and I've got him at the line, and I, I'm feeling great. And he's not going to succeed yeah. 100% of the time because nobody does. Jordan missed, missed way more than he made, but I believe Donovan Mitchell has it as a player. Because I also thought he was big time on Friday night, and of course there oh, everything sure. gets lost with the block shot, yeah. but the possession right, or to, the block shot, goaltend, no, yeah. he went right to the hoop, yeah. got it, scored it. Uh, you know, always a little risky because you might get fouled, but now yeah. you see two situations where he attacked both times, when they foul him, he hits both. When they don't foul him, he gets the bucket. Plus, he's a developed young man physically. It's uh, I mean, you know, he can get stronger, next to him, too. You see that right away but at the end of his shoot. Yeah, around. he's not yeah. a skinny Gordon Hayward, not, weakling no. kid who came in the league and needed to develop his body. Now, he's third year in the league, so he's been in uh, strength and conditioning for a good long time now. But his body's fine. So he can take pounding. He can take punishment. He, he's durable. He's clutch. And the thing about it is, I can tell you until I'm blue in the face, doesn't matter but he believes it there is no doubt in his mind that he's going to succeed he believes it which is part of the battle and if you fail seven times and you got the ball the eighth time he believes that eighth time he's going to succeed Weird things that happen in that Rocket game uh, that uh, were just spectacular now if they had lost that game by one point What's Quinn doing getting a T with seven minutes left? And then the question that came up on Twitter right away is, his voice is terrible. What could he have possibly said that could have been heard that got him that T? Uh, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, I don't. But you, we saw with Ariza the other night, you don't necessarily have to say anything now if you get demonstrative. They, they tee him. I thought Ariza was just totally irresponsible in doing what he did. Especially in that, in that situation when it was, they're it was, already it was a down. Yeah, when you're I mean, starting with nine yeah, guys. Yeah, and, and, and that, that type of call or non-call – that, that happens yeah. 20 times a game. And even if yeah. you do get the tee, you can't go get the second one. No, You just no, can't. No. And, you, you know, the funny thing is before the game, Locke was talking about how the way the matchups were working out, Ariza was going to be a problem for the Jazz. Not because he's the best player on the court, Damian Lillard is, but the way the matchups go, Ariza had the skill set to be a problem. And he thought that's it's kind of a hidden gem. It's the yeah. third or fourth thing to look at. And then he gets himself kicked out and lets yeah. the Jazz off the hook. I thought that was uh, – they, they should fine him. I thought that was a irresponsible. Quinn got a T. He rarely gets a T. Oh, he doesn't. So, yeah. I mean – But he, how does he get one when he has no voice? I and mean, he was really croaking 
I mean, that was his voice is not on the pre the pregame. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know. He, he, I know, but if you feel like you need to say something, as long as it's not out of control, as long as it's not consistent, if you're going and getting teas, you know, you, some of these guys, uh, Draymond Green or Rasheed Wallace a few years back, seems like they're getting teas all the time. Uh, Dennis Rodman obviously was out of control a lot of the times, and so you feel like you need to get a tea, uh, or you get a tea, not necessarily even need to feel like it. Uh, to me, I thought the big issue is, man, I was just ready to pounce on him because I thought against Denver, Clarkson should have been in at the end, mm-hmm. and he wasn't. And here they lead by seven, and until Bogdanovich shot. Which is the best shot in Bat Jazz history, by the way? Bogdanovich's three was the best shot. The best shot in yeah. Jazz history. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's not even the best Jazz three-pointer in Houston. No, 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 no. Not the most important shot. Oh, because Stockton was open? Yeah, he's wide open. He's wide. And it's tied to so the less pressure. Malone's bear-hugging everybody in his place. And is he what he was? It's total foul. It's <laughs> yeah. total foul. Yeah. They're not calling it. Come here, Clyde, yeah. you big knucklehead. He, Bogdanovich was sandwiched between John had time to bounce, get his rhythm, <laughs> check his hair, look and, at his wife in the stands. His baby's going in. And it was tied. It was overtime or win. Right. I couldn't lose it. Right, right. I mean, obviously that was the most Regular season, shot. yeah. But this shot with guys sandwiched around him and the game on the line, win or lose. So that's better. That's better than the uh, Sunday out of gains at home because that team wasn't going anywhere. Whereas this team could go somewhere. And And furthermore, the Rockets have been the roadblock. And it is they they won the game on uh, Friday, but obviously it was a controversial win. Sure. And so here, there's no controversy. And so you've emerged now. That I said on Friday, going into these four, give me two and two, and I can deal with it. Not now. Right. <laughs> Not I, now. I can still deal with it. Resetting. Although <laughs> I can deal with it tonight. Although I got to see who plays. If Dallas got a bunch of dogs out, well, Luke, they're top said, dogs. They've said Don I mean, is out. I know, but they've won without him. But Porzingis poor didn't play the other game. Right. So where I are think, we now? They got three guys because yeah. Powell's already down. I think Porzingis is more precautionary as far as having I, a back to back. But the thing is, if he got some small injury, they wouldn't have told anyone, and then he could sit tonight. So I can't guarantee he's going to go, but I think he probably. Is. And the Jazz got to find a way to muster it up. So yeah. if, if you want to say not now, now I think I'll go, go with it. They got to go three out of four or four out of four. I'll now. go with it. Yeah, if you go four out of four, then in my mind you've erased the five, well, or you've you know, erased the doubt the, that the five created. You don't erase the five, but you erase the doubt. Right. But I think also if you go big picture and say when you play this, you know, relatively good teams close together, you're supposed to. You know, split with Houston. Well, they did. You're supposed to split with Portland. Well, they did. Now, they got swept by Denver. Are they going to offset that by sweeping Dallas? You know, are they going to beat Miami? Man, that's a long road trip for Miami. Uh, yeah. yeah. Good. Even better. Right. <laughs> Let it be long. I don't care. <laughs> Let, it, Let it be long? Yeah. Who cares? Right. Uh, but at this point, hey, you know, three out of four – and, and ride it. And it'll be interesting to see who closes the game. Everybody wanted Clarkson in, and they finally put him in on that possession, but I didn't think he was good. You know, he didn't dribble towards the hoop. He got taken away from the hoop, and then he picked up his dribble and put him in a tough spot. Now, maybe he hasn't played late, and it's one possession. It's a small sample size. Uh, and maybe yeah. instead of putting him for one possession, he needs to be allowed to play, you know, four or five consecutive minutes at the end of the game. But who comes out? And I think underrated in all of this, I think they're getting quality minutes from Royce O'Neal. 
And if he ends up in the in a closing five, I don't have a problem with that. Now, you know, who's coming out? You were playing – it's like TV last night. I was trying to play six guys. You're, you're bad at math, but you caught that one. I did. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80, The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. Ingles will inbound. 1.6 seconds left. Down by two. Ingles hold it. Fakes a pass. Finds Bogdanovich. Contested three. Boyan Bogdanovich! Boyan Bogdanovich! Say it again! Boyan Bogdanovich! Holy cow! Straight away three from 30 feet. Contested by two defenders. And the Jazz win! Well, there's an absolute no-brainer. Yak usually tries to be more subtle so that those of you who are listening now know who know what the play's going to be at 450 for the Chevy play of the game, and you win prizes. But really, I think anyone could dial in at 450 and guess. Of course, it's Bogey's game winner. Yeah. All right, there's the uh, Chevy Strong play of the game. Now let's find out who really sucked. As the great philosopher Snoop Dogg once said, This guy sucks. Like a sucker punch. It's time to reward the losers in sports with another edition of This Guy Sucks. You suck. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. This guy sucked, PK. I think we got to go with a group award. Uh, yeah, that was goaltending. You really need to not miss that. If a guy's sitting in midcourt calling a game on ESPN knows his goaltending, how do three guys with a better view miss it? Well, yeah, they missed it. There's no doubt about it. But the thing that infuriates me is the stupid rules. Who decided you can only check goaltending if you call goaltending? Someone who hadn't thought it all the way through. That is ridiculous. You've got... That's going to change. You know that's going to change. It has to. I know. Where did we come up with these reviews? I mean, rules for reviews. Either you can review the play or you can't. There's typically a competition committee. Well, that is just so short-sighted. Review the play. In the last two minutes, anything that's close, review it, I guess. And if it takes 15 minutes longer, so be it. Yep. The idea is to get the call right. I think that that is uh, inevitably they are going to change the rule. I totally believe that. And inevitably they're going to review it and take somebody's fast breakaway. And there's going to be complaints about that. But that's how it's going to happen. I'd rather have the first call right and live with the consequence. I'd rather have the first call wrong because then the consequence are we know what they are and they're awful. Yep. And Damian Lillard blowing up like he did, I actually thought he was somewhat restrained. <laughs> and when you see well, him doing what he's doing on the floor, they should just blow the whistle and say, "Hey, wait a second here. We need to re- we need to look at this. We need to have a conference." And then let's go look at it. Staying inside the same game, he could have blown up, say, the way Trevor Ariza did. And I think Trevor's got to be nominated for this guy sucks because I know talking to Locke before the game, he was worried about 
I mean, it doesn't start with Trevor Ariza. Obviously, it starts with Damian Lillard. But the trickle-down effect on the matchups, he thought Ariza might be set up to have a really good game against the Jazz, and then he went and got himself kicked out after playing nine minutes. Over a call that it was a non-call that wasn't that controversial. I know. <laughs> Come on, so it's I inexcusable. I don't, I don't follow the Blazers. I don't know what kind of history they have with a referee or a crew or whatever. But Well, he just man, got you, there. you got to wonder if there's a backstory from somewhere else in his career. I don't know. All right, DJ and PK, when we come back, talking recruiting with Utah football coach Kyle Whittingham. Stay with us.